This is the Marty Ray Project Chats, and I'm Marty Ray, one of the hosts of this podcast. You might know me from a beard video, a prank call, or a rap song turned acoustic cover. If you're a real projector, maybe one of my three original albums as well. Regardless of how you know me now, my whole career actually started with a podcast years ago, before everybody had one and back when podcasts got no respect at all. Times have changed a little, and this is me coming back to my roots in a way. And this time, I'm bringing some friends along with me, like my co-host Jim Best, country music hall of fame steel guitar player and producer. He's a good one. Played on a bunch of legendary country music songs that you probably know, probably heard them. If you don't know either of us, thanks for tuning in anyway. I bet you'll love it. Welcome to the project. Download, subscribe, and rate, whether you love it or not. Sound supplied by Roadcaster Pro. Thank you so much, Road. We love you. Thank you for tuning in, everybody. Let's chat. Today on the podcast, we got Razzie Bailey, and I can give you 9,999,999 reasons to love this man called Razzie. Thank you. (laughs) One of those reasons is just a simple fact that Razzie is actually his real name, correct? Right. Right. And the fact that he gave us gems like the song, 9,999,999 Tears. And she left love over me. She left love all over me. Yeah. Yeah. Not to mention, this is the biggest part, Jim. He wrote a song about something near and dear to my heart, peanut butter. (laughs) Yeah. Mine too. Yeah. So, Razzie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for making the trek out here. Thank you, sir. Good to be here. Yeah. You're a legend. He's a legend. Um, I'm going to let y'all chat it up here in a minute, but the thing we start the show off with. Every show, we start off with fast five, five quick questions. You give us five quick answers. You ready? Ready. Your favorite actor? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Uh, That's that's a good one. Favorite Uh, song you wrote? uh, uh, Right now, my favorite song, and it changes from time to time, is on my new album that's coming out very shortly. It's called Baby My Baby. Baby My Baby, all right. Your favorite snack food? Hamburgers, I guess. Hamburgers. Boy, I like hamburgers. <laughs> I thought he was going to say peanut butter. I did, too. <laughs> Cats, dogs, or other? Dogs. Dogs. Your dream vacation spot, if you hadn't already been there? A, a cruise, I guess. You like cruises? Yeah. And yeah. What is, what's your best advice you give to people that are trying to make it in the entertainment world? Well, I, I think just be careful about who you get involved with and make sure there's so many people that – they can tell you they can do a lot of things that they can't really do, and then you have a hard time getting out of an agreement. Uh, and just be serious about it. Practice and practice and practice. Well, that's the same advice Jim gives. Y'all must have read out of the same book. And we've been down the same road, I promise you. <laughs> Razzie, I wanted to ask you a couple of questions, and I'm going to let Jim talk to you because he knows you. Y'all know each other, and uh, – I'd, I just want to sit in and be a fly on a wall in a conversation between two legends. But uh, how do you feel all these years later about the fact that your masters were burnt up in the 2008 fire, universal fire that happened? Well, I, I hate it, but, uh, you know, I think they steal some copies around somewhere. Is there? Yeah. Okay. Did, they, did you get any money for that? Did they compensate you because of that insurance-wise? No, not so far. I've had a... Not to my knowledge, I've got a guy that was supposed to be working on that for me, and 
I'm beginning to have a little bit of doubts about him. I don't mean to sound paranoid, but uh, yeah. I don't know. Not to my knowledge, I, I'll probably check with him directly. Yeah, there's because you know that Universal collected insurance money. Yeah. Like, there's money there somewhere for you and all those other people that they just lost their masters because of a fire. Yeah. You know, it's a very strange situation that happened then. But uh, anyway, you have 11 albums released. At least, yeah, I've got a lot. Of, I've got a lot of albums on independent labels as well as major labels. That's a lot of music, man. Yeah. You put out in the world now. You have a new album out. Uh, it's, it'll be out pr- probably some times the middle of February. It's called "I Hate Hate," and uh, it's a song that I wrote back in the early seventies. And we had a <clears throat> pretty good little hit on it then. It was picked up by MGM and went in the pop charts. But it's also ever ever since then it's been. One country or another picks it up and does it. It was in a movie last year called uh, Honey. Um, uh, gosh, I forgot the name of the movie. It's Nashville something, and uh, we, you know, so I'm, I'm since I'm still getting so much airplay over it overseas, I thought I'd just go ahead and do it on a new album where, where I'd have it out there instead of everybody else. Okay, I like that. Yeah, it's a good your, idea. Get your hands on the money first if yeah, you can. Yeah. <laughs> I got to get him on that microphone all the time. Yeah. There you go. I got her now. Hold on to her tightly. Yeah, I got her. <laughs> you, uh, one last question. I'm going to let Jim ask you some questions. Um, who were your mentors and role models when you were growing, when you were starting in the music business? Well, naturally when I was, uh, <clears throat> when I was a kid, we listened to the Grand Ole Opry and uh, I liked, uh, you know, Ernest Tubbs and all those people. And uh, we also listened, that was on Saturday nights, we heard the Grand Ole Opera, and on Wednesday nights, there was a show out of New Orleans called the Dixieland Jazz, and I loved Dixieland music. And uh, one of my earliest artists, of course, I think he died before I was born, was Jimmy Rogers, because Daddy was a big fan of Jimmy Rogers and had a lot of the old Jimmy Rogers records, and sang. he sang the songs, and I just, I still today like to hear the old Jimmy Rogers tunes. Mm. Okay, right on. Well, Jim, talk well, to you, buddy. It's a pleasure to talk to Razzie Bailey, I promise you that. Razzie, what, when did you first work the Opry, buddy? I don't remember. It was some, probably sometimes in the late 70s or early 80s. But I have a funny little story about that. Tell uh, us. Uh, I used to drive an RC Cola truck back in the early 60s, but I was, you know, dreaming of someday getting in the music business and every opportunity I'd have to go somewhere and pitch a song or try to get a contact, I would. And one Saturday, me and uh, my wife and another couple came up to Nashville not realizing that that's not the day to do business in Nashville because everything's closed, but we was walking down Broadway, I think it was, and I saw a music sign on the door there, some kind of music, and you had to walk up these stairs, and I went up there and told the guy, you know, sing, I played some songs for him, and um, he walked over to the window, and he said, you see that building out there? He said, that's the Ryman Auditorium. He said, and, uh, he says, just right over there, not far away, but he said, you are a million miles away. <laughs> and I never forgot about him saying that, and when I, first time I was on the Grand Ole Opry out there, I thought, well, I must have made it that million miles, finally. Made it that million miles. I was telling him a story when we were driving back, that uh, I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and uh, I 
playing honky-tonks at 17, 18 years old. I'd run in the women's restroom when the cops would come in. But every once in a while, the other guys I was playing with said, boys, let's just take off this week and not play. Let's go to the Opry. Let's go to the Opry, you know. And, and I said, no, nah, when I go to the Opry, I'm going to carry my guitar in and I'm going to play. And they'd just laugh at me, poke fun at me because I, they thought, well, you know, that's never going to happen. I was 17, and they were in their middle to late 20s, you know, so they were getting pretty well settled in life, and I felt like I was just getting started. But at 21 years old, I went to work with Pee Wee King and the Golden West Cowboys, and I didn't work for him two months till he uh, told me one day, called me on the phone. He said, well, we're going to go so-and-so, so-and-so. But he said, also, we got to get back in time to work the Opry this coming Saturday night. And I just, oh, I like to fell out. Hmm. I was 21 years old, and uh, I'd got my, my guitar set up, and I was trying to just double-check my tuning one more time. And how I did it, I'll never know to this day, because I was sitting, you know, a good ways back from them footlights, but I hung a pick in that first string, and it shot that pick off my finger, and it rolled right across the floor, and me looking big-eyed at it right into the footlights. Hmm. Of course, I was young back then, you know, you just don't think. And I jumped up, and boy, <laughs> I went right around Pee Wee and everybody else. I'm in front of everybody on the front of the stage with my hand in the footlights. How I got that pick out of there without burning my hands and all that stuff, I have not, no idea. But I made it back just to my seat just in time to hear the tick-tock, tick-tock. You keep me waiting till it's getting aggravating. Yeah, I loved I loved his music. Yeah. He was so good to me, and... Uh, I have really enjoyed from 1962 to uh, part of 67. I, I met him at some time here in Nashville. I, I met him at the, what they call the Hall of Shame now. You know what, what I'm talking about. Yeah. He was in there one day, one night when I was. What's the uh, Hall of Shame? What's that? Well, it's it's that motel down down there. It's a, oh, what's it's the Best Divi Western? Yeah, Best, best Western. Western. Was it on Division Street? Yeah. Yeah. What? It, why is it called Hall of Shame? Well, it's really called the Hall of Fame is what they called it, but we called it the Hall of Shame. Oh, I see. <laughs> and you're I talking about the at, Hall of Fame. Yeah, yeah. I oh, worked I there for a while. That was, uh, that was getting down to the end of me wanting to have a band. You know, I, we, uh, I started the Nashville Cats in Printer's Alley in 69. And uh, then in 77, we went out and opened the original palace. Yeah. You used to come sit yeah, in with us yeah, from time Yeah, sure did. And we was out there two and a half years or so, come back in, and we was getting ready to open up the uh, stockyards. And it wasn't open yet. And uh, so we took a job at, back in Printer's Alley again, but the far end down there, George Jones, Possum Holler. Yeah, yeah. Worked down there for about six months till they got everything right. And then we went over to the stockyards and, and had a run there for about two and a half years. And then after that, is when we went down to the Hall of Shame down there. Yeah, right. yeah. yeah I, I came in there a lot and heard y'all. You had a great band. Oh, Lord, we had a good band. Yeah. And, and we thrived on you and all of our other buddies, you know, coming by to see us. Yeah. I was sitting there in Printer's Alley one night, and I saw some people walk in, and they had fur coats on. It was cold as hell. And uh, went back up in the corner up there and sat down. And by the time they, you know, went out of my sight, I just dismissed it when I got off the bandstand. My bartender, I had to pass him to get out behind the bar. He said, well, you ain't going to, you've seen it all, you think, but you ain't going to have no idea who's sitting up there now to come to see you. I said, well, it don't matter. I said, should I go up and say hi? He said, I think you'll want to. I said, well, who in the hell is it? He said, Paul McCartney and his wife. Well, how the dog. And Paul, come in, 
And he, I went up there and sat down and talked to that man. And he was just as, like us talking right now, just as friendly and as nice. And he didn't say band. If he said it once, he said it 10 times. What a bond. I just love your bond. <laughs> talking about my band, you know. And yeah. I said, okay. I just had four pieces too, you know. And, and man, just wonderful. And he said, uh, I'm going to go up. And when I, I, I uh, started back on stage, he said, uh, I'll be back to catch your last set, but I'm going two doors up to see Boots. Boots Randolph is up to the alley. I want to see Bootsy. And he said, I'll be back. And I thought, well, uh, you know what? You probably won't never be back. But I've enjoyed the fact that I never got a chance to go see the Beatles. But by gosh, the head one come to see me. Had another couple with him. I never did really talk to them much. And I want you to know that I just got back on stage, started my last set. And then they walked again, caught my whole last set. And when I got through, I went up, sat down, and started talking to him again. And we must have talked for 45 minutes while everybody left. They cleaned. The whole club and, and the guy that was doing uh, the cleaning, uh, please, Jim. He said, y'all go home, <laughs> you know. So I turned these lights off and everything, but it was really a pleasure of meeting him, you know. And the people that we've had come to see us in the clubs like you and yeah. George Jones. And I'd look out there and there'd sit Willie Nelson and with a burr haircut in front of me. Fair you know? and young, I'm sure he came oh, by a lot. Fair and young, cruising, about half drunk, you know, and picking on the biggest man in the building. He walk up and he said, "You know, you ain't that damn big. You ain't so big. You can't have your ass whooped." <laughs> and I and me or Cliff Parker, one of my players, would try to get in the middle of it, you know, and stop it because the guy would have killed him. <laughs> you know, he would. That was the first man, Razzie, that ever kissed me right in the mouth. I was working <laughs> with Pee Wee, and we was backstage, and we'd done our thing, and he was going to go out. And do his. He said, big boy, he said, that's some of the finest playing I've ever heard. Grabbed me by both my damn ears and kissed me right in the mouth. You've been kissing men in the mouth ever since. Well, just lightly, but not with no tongue, <laughs> but just lately. I wish I would have come in on the before uh, the tongue. Uh, yeah, well, yeah. It, was, it was pretty pretty good back then, but the tongue's good now. Yeah, well, it ain't too bad. <laughs> I got to say, you know how to move it around. Anyway, <laughs> so so Raz, what what record did you have when you worked the Opry? Was you was you on a good uh, probably, role? Uh, I think it was my first top ten. What time do you have to be back to heaven? I believe I remember that. Yeah. Yes, sir. What time do you have to be back to heaven? Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I've heard that, but I need to look that up. Yeah, it was. A, it didn't go number one, but we got a good top ten off of it, and then we got. Three or four top tens after that, and then some number ones. Thank goodness. Yeah, I mean, just to get a top ten is is amazing. Yeah. I don't, like you know how much there's so much music in the world to to just at this point just to chart is amazing, but to get into that top ten, that's that's accolades that yeah. only yeah. a few percentage of people get. I couldn't believe it when it was going on. I kept thinking, is this really happening? You know, and because uh, I'd tried so long, I'd been gosh, I'd tried everything I could think of, and Tried things I didn't know about. <laughs> what all did you try? Well, just different labels, trying to get on a label or trying to get a break some way. And Nobody wanted to sign you? No. I mean, it was, uh, they didn't actually, <clears throat> I didn't actually get any interest with RCA till um, Dickie Lee recorded the song you was talking about, Nine Million Tears. And, yeah. And I, I got their attention more as being a writer and an artist, you know, so they, uh, they finally, you know, offered me a deal. I was talking to Curb Records at that time out in California, 
And Kirby had already promised me a deal, and then uh, uh, the guy run, run, running RCA, which who I can't think of his name, the, the guy that before Run RCA before Joe Galante. Uh, and later went into publishing. But Chet was over there running something at RCA for yeah, years. Yeah, this, this is a guy that he uh, ran a publishing company for a while after that. I can't think of his name, and I'm sorry to say that. But anyway, uh, he called me to come up Nashville and play some songs for him, you know. And I'd always been trying to get in the door to say, play some songs and hear somebody calling me to yeah. hear some of my songs. And he heard heard me on uh, tapes and things, and he asked me what was I doing about a record deal. And I told him, uh, you know, about the curb thing in California. And he said, well, he said, if that don't work out, you got a deal here. And boy, I, you know, so... I tried a while longer with Curb, and he kept, he was running for governor at that time of California, so he was real busy with that, and, you know, and he kept switching appointments around and such, and uh, so I decided to take the RCA deal, and I'm glad I did. We all are. Yeah, yeah. buddy. Give us a lot of great music. Thank you, sir. Did you, you know, I'm trying to remember in your band, did you have a steel guitar player? Uh, on some of the things we did, but I didn't, I didn't have one on the road, I, I I, for a while, for a short while, I did. I had a bus driver that played steel, and I did. so he'd have to play steel and drive the bus. But yeah, uh, I, I can't, I can't, can't remember his name. Not my day to remember, remember names, but I'm. Oh, uh, I'm getting the same way, buddy. But I, I love a steel guitar, and you know, like I said a while ago, I'm learning to play the dobro, and I enjoy that. Uh, that tickles me great that you're you're playing a uh, you know a slide instrument. And... Yeah, it's it's kind of funny. I I walked in. Uh, uh, music store down on uh, down at um, Rivergate uh, one day. Sam Ash. Yes, yeah, Sam Ash. And there was a Dobro laying up on the counter. And I went in there for something else, but I, I saw the Dobro and I picked up some picks and I was sort of playing with it. And I said, well, hey, you know, it's be fun to learn how to play. So that's that's when I started. I got me one and started learning. And, um, uh, you know, but that... That really changed me a lot. Uh, I, I was, you know, just not really in love with music anymore. You know, like I'd sort of been a little disillusioned. And, and like we talked about a while ago, it wasn't what I had started out thinking it was going to be. And, right. Uh, so I got to playing that dobro, and then I got to listen to uh, Willie's Roadhouse. And, uh, <laughs> and uh, I said, yeah. man, that's, that's really the music I love. So the dobro sort of led me back to that kind of music, you know, and uh of course, I've recorded all kind of things. On my new album, I have a, a Brian Adams tune called "Have You Ever Really Loved a Woman?" Mm-hmm. And you know, so I, I definitely know that one. You sung, you you sang yeah, it too. Yeah. yeah. And, okay. Uh, have you know? I have some uh, jazzy kind of things, but I really love the the real country music. You know, like the steel when guitars you say, and the fiddles. And the, when you say real country, what, what name some artists that you mean by that? Well, uh, Willie, of course, and Johnny Cash, and Johnny Paycheck, all those guys like that. Um, Marty Robbins, Willie Nelson. I mean, uh, uh, Willie Jennings. So know. Marty Robbins to you was real country as well? Yeah, yeah. That was more, to me, when I hear Marty Robbins, it, it makes me think of like movie music. Yeah, like, Western movie. Out in the old Texas yeah. town of El Paso. Like that, I never really thought of that. To me, as country, but I guess it is. I guess he's well, country. I, I, you know, well, Ralph Emery used to have a radio show out there uh, on the west side of Nashville, and I was out there one night doing his radio show, 
And uh, I just ain't, ain't got no business doing business today, which was a good record for me on RCA. And Marty came in, and he was he was apparently listening to the radio, on, and I never had met him. And he come in, and he said, that's what's happening to country music now. It's just not country anymore. So they, these songs they're singing today, you know, and he just put me down bad right there on the radio. So I would, I, you know, it really offended me because uh, here I am trying to, because I could remember when he wasn't all that country, like a white sports coat and a pink carnation and all that stuff. Now you're talking about Marty Robbins. Yeah. Really? Yeah. He came in there and told you that? No, he didn't tell me that. He told Rap, but he was talking about me, you know. Uh. And just, That's a heck of a note. Yeah, so I didn't I didn't ever really ever speak to him if I was in the, in the room with him. I just ignore him. And so one time uh, his son had a, a radio show. He was trying to start a TV show, and he called me and asked me to do it. And I said I'd be glad to. And and then me and my wife was flying out to California in first class to do something out there. And Marty, I looked around, and Marty was sitting about two or three rows back, and I still didn't speak to him, you know. In a little while, he come up there and sat down by me, and he said, I just want to thank you for doing my show, son's uh, TV show. And I said, well, you're welcome. And so he was just as nice as he could be, and I'm glad that I did get to talk to him at that time because I, I probably never would have. <laughs> now, was it because you were bitter towards him or just because you was like, well, he don't like me, so I'm not going to talk to him? Uh, no, there a was question. a certain respect uh, yeah. amongst us back in those days. And I wasn't an artist. I was a player. But I lived most of my life like I was an artist, you know, because I was treated good. And there was just that unwritten thing, you know, that uh, whether you like somebody or not or their music or not. You respect you, him. You liked him. You yeah. was there to help if he needed help. And, right. And, uh, and you didn't put nobody down like that because of just wasn't our way. Well, it was it wasn't y'all's way, but it was Marty Robbins' way. So, well, now he was he was a cocky little ass, you know. And well, I, hey, I rode the bus with him. I, uh, his steel guitar player, uh, Bill, uh, I'll call his last name in a minute, Bill something. And we were good friends. And one day, I, I was with Pee Wee, and Pee Wee had been through the airplanes and the buses, and we were had two uh, two new uh, station wagons every year, and I had one, Pee Wee had one. Red Stewart and the two girls rode with him, and the other two players rode with me. And uh, so uh, Bill asked me, he said, man, I said, why don't you ride the bus and, with me so we can piddle, you know, piddle around and talk and, and this, that, and other. Well, I realized right off the bat, you know, I was caught Marty was busting and on the band, you know, making fun of them, this, that, and the other, but they weren't allowed to bust back. Mm-hmm. You know, and the first thing you know, he, uh, he nicknamed me Tim, uh, Timothy Tundra Rump. I said, that's right, and you're the sparrow, right? <laughs> and he had a real thing about being small. Right. Um, and I, so, I mean, it was just like I put a hot poker up his ass right there. I didn't even know he was small. Was he a short fellow? Yeah, 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 he wasn't very big at all. How tall was he? I'd say five, six, or seven. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. And but now he was cocky and he and he's wiry little old dude. He loved to race. I mean, Small man syndrome. Yes, sir. That's exactly yeah. what it was. And he'd run that mouth, and uh, and uh, I don't know how many times it might have got him in trouble. But uh, that eight or ten hours back to Nashville, he got his ass burned up. And we was talking about hunting, you know, and stuff like that. And he said, "You a big hunter?" I said, "Yeah." Have you ever just took a piece of meat off of one while it was still bleeding and eat it? I said, "From time to time, I do." First thing he did was had the bus stop and had somebody run in there and pick up some little old steaks. He said, I love raw meat too. Let's eat this. Now, hell, I just dove right into it and started eating the hell out of it. 
I said, you don't seem to be liking it as well as you thought you did. I didn't believe you'd like it like that either. I said, <laughs> no, I said, I have you know, literally been skinning the deer and reach and put, take a little piece of that back strip off and be eating on that while I, you know, clean yeah. my deer up. I That's mean, rare, ain't it? <laughs> That's yeah. rare meat. Yeah. That's as rare as it gets. <laughs> I know it, but it's delicious, tender meat. And uh, I can't, meat. I can't believe you did that oh, back in the man. day. Yeah. yeah. What about a fish? Would you, would you pop a fish open and just eat the, eat the meat out of it? Uh, the meat, not the insides of it, but I I'm talking could, about the meat. You know, pop it oh, open. I could, I could eat raw fish. Yeah. yeah Daniel Boone boy over here. You don't know what a hunter I was. I used to go to Canada one year, and the next year I'd go to Wyoming Buffalo, and I'd hunt bear. I'd kill four or five bear. I got pictures around here I can show you sometime. Yeah, but there's a bunch of people that hunt, and they do, they're avid at it, but that don't mean they're peeling pieces of meat off of it and cleaning it and eating it right off the deer. You clean it up right and get it all cleaned up right. And- I'd be scared of it. No, you're sitting right there by God, chewing on that like you'd be smoking on a cigarette. Well, is that like and de- doing your work? Is that like deer sushi? <laughs> yeah, that's exactly what it is. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, I went to busting on that butt, and boy, I mean, he didn't like it. And then part of the band members were sitting up there and hearing me. By God, called him a sparrow and this, that, and the other. And then I finally told him, I said, "Why don't you sit over here in my lap for, mm. for a minute, little feller?" That got him. Oh, he did, but, you know, I just reached and grabbed him, pulled him down on that leg right there. I said, now have you some of this. You know, I don't know more of that. And, boy, the boys were just, I mean, it was tickling them to death. And they went to life, and when they did, he looked around at them right hard, and they run for the back of the bus. And I thought, man, I couldn't work, for, you know, for somebody like that. Yeah. Pee-wee, uh, not every little old boss I had. After Pee-wee, it was David Houston, almost persuaded. Yeah. And then after that, I worked with Johnny Duncan for a while. He had some big records out of like, you can put your shoes under my bed anytime. And I, I played on his records, plus went and done the dates with him. And then I wanted to be home because I had a brand new baby, and I, I, uh, I quit thinking I could do sessions. I played good enough, but nobody knew me as a session player, and I starved to death. But anyway, you're not here to talk about me. Razzy. Razzy when you who? said when you said Marty and Marty always he would race now and be What do you mean race? Like foot race? Race cars over there at the oh, fairgrounds. Race he car. had his own car here. They put it on the sale here while I bought bought some big money. And uh and he'd get out of that late and run over there then, you know, ten minutes before the opera's supposed to close. And here's Ernest Tubb over there getting ready to start at twelve o'clock when the opera's supposed to quit. And Marty running the Opry over, what, 30 minutes or 45 minutes because he thought he was he could just do that and get away with it. Mm. And they let him do that and get so away with it. So he did get away with yeah, it. Razzy, uh, did you ever work with Marty Stewart? I mean, Marty uh, uh, Robbins? No, I never did. Never did. Didn't want to. No, no, not. not you know, I'm, a, I'm ashamed to say that it affected me as well as it did. But you got to remember, I was just starting out, and, uh, you know, I didn't have the drift of what went on in the music business, but but yeah, I that agree. wasn't that wasn't yeah. right though. But I agree with you that we we you and I came along in a time when everybody would help everybody else. In yes. fact, you know, I had we had a club down in, in Macon called Nashville South, and you probably played there with somebody. That's I think I did. And, uh, we every just about every week we'd have somebody down from uh, Nashville to play on Friday night or Saturday night. One we had everybody from Waylon Jennings to. Conway Tweedy, all those guys, you know, and uh, it was just um, 
They, I had a lot of them come through that. Right, it really tried to help me in Nashville. Bob Lumen was one. He did everything he could to help me in Nashville, but I never, you know, and he wasn't well, he had just it. a jewel. Yeah, yeah. and I, my uh, brother played bass for him. My brother Hal. Yeah, he was he was a great guy. Yeah, I loved I loved Bob. Did you ever work with any of like the country legends you mentioned, like Cash and? I never worked with Cash, but I did. I worked with Dolly Parton, Ronnie Mills, Satin. In the, um, Alabama and all those people like that. Charlie yeah. Pride, I worked uh, almost two years with Charlie Pride, solid, and he's a great guy. You start talking about Alabama, that's like my, like what, what I grew up listening to, that's the people I consider to be absolute legends, like Alabama and Dolly Parton and people like that. I, like That's who I remember more than, of course I know Cash. Everybody knows Johnny Cash. We were just talking about that earlier today. Al, I said, I said Johnny Cash is the most famous country music artist of all time. Yeah, no question about it. I mean, whether he's the best singer of all time doesn't matter. Anybody inside and out of country music knows Johnny Cash. I, I heard on the radio one time they said he was had the most recognizable voice. You know, just about anywhere. Yeah, and not just that, his 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 persona. Yeah. people loved it. Like he was a outlaw, and like to, to to this day, people still wear young people wear his t his face on their t shirt, yeah. and they'll say they'll wear it like cash. And then, you know, he even worked with uh, Rick Rubin. I don't know if you knew who that is or not, but Rick Rubin was a guy who did like uh, mainly hip hop, and then he he brought like Johnny Cash's last album was Rick Rubin. Rick Rubin did that last album. Oh yeah, he was a producer too. Right? Yeah, he's a producer. Yeah. yeah, yeah, he did the one you know with a uh, hurt. Yeah, great yeah. album. Mm -hmm. So anyway, who who all? Uh, what was your who was your favorite uh, artist that you actually worked with? Well, I, I think it would have to be Charlie because Charlie, know, he, uh, we went overseas together and worked all around the United States and Canada and uh, just with him day in and day out, and we just you know really are good friends. What's your biggest cut that you that you actually get, that you wrote? Oh, well, you know, I hate hate, even though it's not so much familiar with it today, but I think that had the most longevity because it's over and over and over. It's been a hit over in different countries. And, of course, 9 million tears, you know, is right. big. Uh, Might as well say 10 million tears. Yeah. Uh, One tear away from 10 million. As far as things I've recorded, I think it was uh, Midnight Holler because the truck station, trucking station still play that a lot. Midnight Holler. Hauler. Hauler. Yeah. You heard that one? I'm familiar with the title. I don't think I could play an intro to it. Midnight Hauler. I should have pulled some of these up so we could hear them, uh, but I didn't do that. I'm trying to not have to put a whole lot of music in the show, but I might have to end up doing that at some point. Um, nonetheless, um, what, do you, what, is all, what all you have going on now besides the album? I know you got the new album. And it's called uh, once one more time. What's it called? I hate hate. I hate hate. You, yes. you titled the album <laughs> yeah. after the the song, right? How many songs are on that album? Eighteen. Eighteen. Yeah. Wow. That's great. I kept. I've, I've got over two hundred albums in the can that, that I've never released because I've always. My first wife called me a studio junkie because every time I'd get a chance, you know, if I wrote something new or whatever, and I could find an excuse, I'd go in the studio. <laughs> Mm. I wish I had the money I was spending on them, but um, then I owned my own studio for about 15 years, and I cut a lot of stuff in there. So You still have it? 
No, I had a I had a stroke about so many years ago, and it just got too much to drive back and forth every day mm. to the studio. So where was your studio? In, in uh, Goodlesville. Okay, right down the road. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I live close to. I'm not too far from Goodlesville. Matter of fact, when I order pizza, it has to come from Goodlesville, not Hendersonville. Even though Hendersonville's Domino's Pizza is like, you know, a mile from me. Yeah. And uh, Goodlettsville's Domino's is like 0.8 miles from me. So anyway, that means nothing. But to me, that somebody loves food. That's all I think about every day. <laughs> where, where am I getting my pizza from tonight? <laughs> where is my pizza coming from tonight? That's a song I'm yeah. writing. I'm going to mix peanut butter with it. <laughs> the peanut butter song. Tell us about that one. What was that? You know, what was the inspiration uh, behind I, that? I don't know why I did it or how I did it, but uh, I wrote that song in my sleep. I, I dreamed about it, and uh, the next morning I was sitting at the breakfast table, and I was telling my wife, I said, I dreamed about a song, and I said, and I got to get to her and sung it for her, and it just all came to me, and, uh, and you know, that's, that's the way the song came about. I don't know if it was something I had eaten. <laughs> or, yeah, it might have been peanut butter. Yeah. Yeah, you might have had peanut butter the night before you slept. Yeah. And woke up with peanut butter on the mind. Right. Boy, I tell you what. Uh, Jim, you got anything else? No, just looking at Raz just causes me to tumble back through time, too, and think about wonderful times and wonderful music and the, the great singers and great songs. I mean, we heard them for the first time. Yeah, yeah. We created country music as as we have lost it. You know, I think back then, another thing about the music, you had to have a hit to get a hit, you know. Yes, sir. And, and later it became a promotion thing and money thing, you know. Yeah. Uh, there's so many songs you hear on the radio that, that if they had to really go by merit, they wouldn't wouldn't be where they are. Aren't y'all, when y'all say that, this is just a question I have, aren't y'all, when y'all say that now, doing the same thing that Marty Robbins said about Razzie? No, I'm, I don't mean it that way. I was just talking about... Well, I guess you could say that. I never yeah, thought about it. Yeah, it sounds like it. I don't. I'm not knocking you. Yeah. I'm just saying y'all talk about the way that y'all supported everybody, no matter what, if you like the music or not. But then now, yeah, nobody. You don't like this mute current country state that we're in, and everybody from the old country always says, "No, this ain't real country." Well, it actually is real country if people are listening to it. You know what I mean? Yeah. No, I don't know what you mean. It it just is. I mean, it, it's what it's what they call country music today. That's what I'm saying. Well, you that's know. right. But you know, they need to name it something about except country music. Well, you know, the same thing happened when y'all in y'all's day. There were still people from the old old days saying y'all weren't country music. They didn't like the way y'all were doing it. Well, they called it cowboy music. Then they called it western music. Then it was western swing. Hillbilly. And then hillbilly. And then it's moved into what we call the best years of ever, which was true country music with great singers, George Jones and and, uh, just... I mean great singers. I mean, there's great singers today. And great lyrics. It's like the movies you see now. Everything is done with some kind of gimmick or that stupid ass computer, you know, like it's what we're doing now. And uh, back then, you had, had a real script. You had real actors that got out there and done a, a day's work acting from a wonderful script. And the songs that we had back then, Mel Street. Right, I love you know, Mel. Mel Street. Uh, 
he, loving he, on back streets and living on Main. So are you saying that you don't that my, here's all I'm saying. I'm saying it's it's a matter of opinion. And the majority of the opinion is what matters, is my point. When it comes to a music, because you can love a song that comes out. Both of y'all can love it to death, and everybody from your generation love it to death, and it'd be the greatest thing I've ever heard. But nobody buys it that buys music. Nobody downloads it or streams it that actually streams music, and it's never going to get any attention. Wasn't no streaming back then, buddy. I understand. I'm talking about nowadays. Nowadays is a whole new animal, and they should treat it as a new animal. It has, well, they are. It has no, no feeling and, and no depth like country music, the true country music had. They just need to say, you know, here is a new uh, form of country music. Like it or lump it. And, you know, but I, they didn't, my, my, what I'm saying is they didn't say that, they, they would have to say that everywhere along the way that there was people, there's always been people that weren't happy with the current state of something else. It's the same way with, with every genre, hip hop, pop, all those genres, it's the same way. People in rap music say, well, this ain't the rap that, this ain't real rap anymore. That's right. No, they all, it's, I'm saying that and happens. the ones that did the real rap, they're the ones that right there would love to have some of that, some of that come back, not from the same old artist. Not the same old lyrics, but lyrics that were that good with that great of music played around them instead of, you know, wild guitar up in your face all the time and drums so damn loud you can't hardly hear the artist. Uh, you can't get the feeling of what the artist is saying. And, you know, the, just, the, just the lyrics were so great back then. What's and the, now what's... it's, a, you, you know, you're driving a damn green tractor up somebody's ass or or, you know, my pickup truck. I've heard a pickup truck and a green tractor until I'm sick of it. I get your point. I'm just saying, in all of, when you when you take it and you say, okay, this is all country music is today, that is a generalization, and that's not all it is today. Even even on the, the charts, there's people with songs like uh, uh, Luke Combs. You ever heard of him? Oh, yeah. So he's doing songs. You ever heard of Luke Combs? I'm not familiar with him, no. He did a song... Uh, um, then you rolled in with your hair in the wind, baby, with now warning. You heard that? No, I don't. I don't listen to radio much now, except yeah. except uh, the old country. You know. Do you stream music? No. Do you listen to any music? Well, that's what I said. Uh, I listen to Willie's Roadhouse, and uh, you know, occasionally I'll play some CDs that I like there. Yeah. Times, but right. I, if I listen to modern country, I I might can take it, but. 20 or 30 minutes, then I catch myself turning the dial or turning it off or something. He's Marty Robbins it. Yeah, well, yeah, well yeah. I, 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 uh, <laughs> I know off. what you're saying, but I think <laughs> it's just like fast food places. You know, back then, you know, if you wanted a hamburger, you go down to some mom and pop hamburger joint, and they fry it for you on the grill, put good old slices of onion on it, and tomato, mayonnaise, grill the bun. Right. And, you know, you, get, you had a hamburger, but today, you know, you go to... Uh, any fast food place, and it's all the hamburgers that you can tell are not ain't cooked with soul, you know. <laughs> they still taste good, though. Yeah, they taste good, but because I'm just, that's what you're used to eating now. Uh, I'm just well, I've I grew up on homemade hamburgers. Now, trust me, I, I make a mean hamburger. But my own, the only point I'm saying is Marty Robbins was one of those people that said y'all weren't real. He wasn't real country because he he was doing something different. So Marty Robbins said it then. Y'all say it now about this generation. Marty was doing something different then too. My, that's my Marty, point. Marty there will was, always be somebody. Even fast forward it wasn't twenty so, years, thirty it wasn't years. So far out of the pocket. 
Now they, 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 I'm telling you, the, it's one word right after another word as fast as you can say it. You know, just as fast as they can say some words. And you know what? I truly believe, and I've talked to some of my other friends that are higher up in the business than I am, and one of our main problems has been our radio stations and them trying to sell their commercial time. And you got this guy over here that's got a new business making big money, and he thinks that what he needs to reach is the people from 19 to 28 years old. So he's just screaming, I don't want none of that sad old country music on here no more. They think that, uh, you know, that old sad country music has it does nothing for you. I can remember when, you know, me playing it right in the middle of the greatest that there ever been, you were too, that I would get burnt out just a little bit. But what would I do? I'd go over and get on the boat for a half hour with uh, Mickey Newberry. And he'd just pick up his guitar and start singing to me. Next thing you know, my tears are starting to flow, and I'm, I'm loving my country music. Yeah. And I know that you've probably done people doctored them that oh, way with your play, playing right. and singing. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's gone. It's wasted on this new music, and it's all coming through the, the radio stations, the managers, and the people that are so hungry after just like we used to pay the DJ. Back in the 60s and 70s, we'd send him a little money. We know your boy needs some uh, new teeth. Uh, he needs a new bicycle. He needs a brace. And here we send you a little something on the side. Don't you worry about and it. And now you're saying exactly why you were able to get hits back then. I, they still do that today. That's why they were, they were trying to dominate. But, buddy, when a good country record come out, it would go right just like cream to the top. It would go. But people listened to that radio, buddy. They listened. And they paid attention to good country music. And then and that's when the DJs was getting a little of the money. And then the st station manager, he found out about uh, what the DJ was getting. He said, oh, no, any of that money's coming in is going to come to me from now on. And then the man that owned the station found out about it. And he said, oh, no, manager ain't going to get that. It's going to come to me. And then when he started getting money under the table and on top, too, his greed said, you know what, I'm going to lean right with this heat and air man over here that wants to spend $100,000 a year with me. I understand it. But he wants this kind of music and this kind of music, you know, and, and then pushing the labels to bring them that kind of music. What I'm trying to say, I understand what both of y'all are saying. I love the old country music. I'm not real big <laughs> fan of the whole snap tracks on this music. But I will tell you this, that there is... There was people from y'all's generation that said the same thing about Garth Brooks. They hated him. They hated Garth Brooks. They hated what he was doing. They hated the – yes, there was. There was. He he got ran out of Nashville. Sure did. He's filling stadiums now singing the same That's stuff. That's right. Same he's stuff. the only reason I like country music. So there, yeah. he's the only reason I know who George Jones is, any of those people. He put on a what they would call a rock show – as his concert. So when I was 12 years old, my first concert ever was Garth Brooks. I seen this guy. I hated country music before then, before 12 years old. That was my parents' music. Didn't want nothing to do with it. So I listened to R&B and hip-hop and rock and stuff like that, except for Charlie Daniels. I did listen to Charlie Daniels because he was kind of rocky. But Garth Brooks, I saw him in concert, and I said, hey, I need to give this stuff a chance. Because of that, I gave country music a chance and went and dug, dug deep into the, the history of it. So what I'm trying to say is where there was people even then knocking who I think is the biggest country music artist 
that he sold, he actually outsold the Beatles and Elvis at, at, when he was touring back then. He outsold them for a year. So the, the point is that even now it's the same way. People in my generation are saying that the music now is not real country because they grew up with Garth Brooks. But what I'm saying is you said that records back then would make you cry and tear up. There's people that are connected to these songs. Some of these songs you're talking about the, you're just talking about the songs that are go to the party, the trip, the the hip hop party and all that stuff. That's not all of it though. There's, there's songs that are coming out today that are, that are connecting to people still to this day. That's exactly right. And they're number ones. They're starting to go back to their roots. It's always been there. That's it's, what I'm trying to say. There's always no, been gems. The there was crappy play, and I mean, I, I'm I'm still producing stuff, and I, I listen to it all the time. There was crappy music in your day that got on the charts. I'm telling you, that's the truth. Because of money, money could do anything back then, and it still can. It didn't last. I could call off songs for days from back then that I think are junk. That, that I can't. How did this even chart? But but and you would probably say the same thing. You would probably say the same thing because money, money was able. You, you could pay enough to get your song to number one, just like you can now. It's just it's, it was called payola. Jerry Lee Lewis right. claims he started payola. Said he started it. That he no. said we would have never got our records heard had we not paid them. You know what I'm saying? So that's something. There's something to be said about that. How many well, that's is still going on? You know that's still going on. I understand, but right. my, I'm just saying my point is that'll always happen. Every generation will think that their generation of music was better than the last, than the, than the next. All I'm saying is that this, if you're gonna if you're gonna change music that much, from what we call good country music with great lyrics, great music. And allowed a bunch of damn screaming and carrying on, uh, then call it something else. But don't call it country music. You, call it something else. It didn't change overnight. It was a gradual change. It changed from from Hank Senior to Hank Junior. That was a big change. Everybody thought that was out out of this world. That was nuts. Hank Junior. And why would Hank Junior not sing like his daddy anymore? Well, because he was doing his own thing. That was That's your right. generation. That's right. Every, guess what? The, the Hank Senior generation didn't like that. They didn't like that music. So it was the young generation that liked that music. The young generation is what thrives music, period. It's what makes it grow. So what happened is, yeah, it is. No, it, it, uh, it didn't can grow. I, can I, uh, Jimmy Bowen, you know who he is, right? No, who he, is that? He ran MCA for a long time. Okay. I was on MCA for five years. And one day we were talking, and he said that he was talking about how the music was going to be changing and was changing. And he said the thing about it is it's going to be geared more toward the young people. He said because young people have to have music. He said That's if you right. think when you was a teenager or whatever, you had to have your music. Mm-hmm. It was a, just a, you know as necessary as breathing. But he said as you get older, you don't have to have music. You know you can watch TV and go play golf or whatever you do. And so it's. He said, we have to gear and will gear toward a uh, generation that has to have it, you know, which makes sense. when you. That's exactly it. how I know from my own yeah. personal life. Yeah. When I was growing up, you didn't catch a minute of my time that there wasn't music playing. I either had headphones on, my mama would, and daddy would get mad. They'd be like, hey, turn that down, always. And then as I grew up, more important things to me for, for, than just having music in all the time, I had to listen to people. You got to start listening to people when you get older. You care more about learning something, right? Right, and you can't learn by just listening to music all the time. So if you look today, you'll see that 
Every young person keeps headphones in their ear. You'll see AirPods. They don't care about what's happening around them. They just care about music. That's what yeah. I say. They, they walk, walk in. They walk right into sides of buses with their <laughs> with their pods and their damn thing right up in their nose. Their phone. I, I had it on news the other night. Watch this and here this dude is, and walking right out into the street. Bam! Right into the side of a bus. And you know what? Just knocked him and turned him around, and he put his phone right back up in front of his face and walked back on the curb. I will say that the phone that is becoming a, that's a real issue. But I'm talking about just the music part. Most people walk around with the headphones in. There's no phone up here when they're walking around. But there is now. It's becoming like people are walking around. They even said that they even said that the human body is really starting to change. Where now the neck, the top of the neck, is like starting to curve over because so many people are like this all the time. So as people, as the children are growing up, being taught to do this, the neck bone is actually starting to do this instead of being straight up and down and then bend over. Instead of this, it's starting to do this. Well, you know, I think in the future people will look totally different, don't you? I think so too because of the daggum <laughs> phone issue. But what I said about the music, I still hold true, hold to. Just like it got MCA knew, he knew it. So did the record labels. Now they don't care about the, the the whole market. It's even like that on YouTube. The whole market is how can you get the young people to listen? That's the truth. Yeah, they well, give them what they want. Just don't call it country music. Somewhere along the way, somebody said, well, they call it bro country. I thought, well, so, that's, that's better than just call, trying to call it country music. So what you're saying is you want country music to be, be no more because that's what it I would be. I want it to be what it was and leave it there. It won't be, ever. That's my point. Yes, is it, it is. It still lives in a bunch of us. My point is yeah. if, if you say call, don't call it country music, well, that means they would, they would title it something else. The young people would never say they like country music because it would only be the old music. That's what country would be. And then eventually it would just It'd die. Be, no. Their, their, their music, let that be theirs. We had our music and let that be ours. You don't understand what I'm saying. If they didn't title it country music, then the young people wouldn't say they like country music. Whatever they title it, call it whatever you want. But then guess what? Those young people are not going to go ever go back and listen to the old country music. That's what happened to me. I'm a testament of that how that how that works. So if you call it something else, call it Bama. If they say we don't call it country music, call it Bama. Eventually, there will be no country music genre anymore. Nobody will care anymore because it'll die out. It'll just be this past, this this past that was back there. They just sold us out just to make another dollar. I don't. Yeah, I believe that. But I'm saying if they just to if, make another dollar. No respect for what the really happened. The great music that was put together through the 60s and the 70s and the 80s. You know, you, we still had some country music with Vern Gostin in 88. I played it. Okay. I, I know. My whole life there was country music. Yeah. Garth Brooks, Travis Tritt. And Garth is country. Colin Ray. I mean, you you saying that all of them aren't the country? The only thing that was rock and roll about him was his damn show, him running all over stage like an idiot. And you didn't like it? I, it was okay, but his music was basically country. Basically, you say. Basically, but it was 100% country Unanswered prayers. What is that? 100% country music. All of it was. Thunder Rolls. Uh, uh, shameless. Every song he's ever done was country music. Like I don't understand. They couldn't have changed the genre. They couldn't have said, okay, this ain't country music now. Well, we need to change it. You know, the Another. one thing about it is you wasn't there. When Garth Brooks was? No, I'm talking about... Old enough and, and at the right age to enjoy great country music through the 60s, 70s, and 80s. 
you're not getting my point. I'm not saying that that music isn't great. I love that music. I love George Jones, Johnny Cash. I even love a little bit of Marty Robbins. My point is there was people like you and like you that that would when y'all were playing your music at the in in the in the height of it there was people from the old days that didn't like y'all's music because it, they didn't think it was the the way that country music should be well that's all i'm saying they, they called it a different thing what what they call it different they Hank Williams senior was country music they called it hillbilly music Hank Williams senior yeah in urban country you remember when urban countries didn't like them all started being there they too. called it a different thing. It was, it was, it was like it was western, and then it was hillbilly, and then it started being country. And when so, it got to be country, then that's when we got all of the great stuff. Then that's fine. If if they don't want to ever do that again, fine. I believe it's coming back, and everybody I've talked to believes it's going to come back. So you don't think Hank Williams Sr. is one of the greatest greatest oh, yeah. country music artists of all time? Yeah, because he's one of the greatest writers of all time. He's one of the greatest country music. He's one of the greatest artists of all time. Period. It's because of him that there was even Elvis Presley, and because of them there was a Johnny Paycheck. Because of him there was any of those. He's the one that took country music mainstream the first time. His songs. He wrote so many great songs. He did. Yeah. Even in the hymn book, he's got songs. Yeah. I saw the light. A, a hymnal that we've all sang in church. Or I think, well, at least I did. But he would have loved, if he'd have lived, he would have loved what went on in the 60s and the 70s with more great writing and more great music. I guarantee you he would have. Yeah. And I guess, have. but guess what? I, I bet you Hank Williams Sr., if he was alive today, would be would be okay with what's happening now because he was, he was a trailblazer. No. I bet he would. I can't believe that. I believe it. It's it's like I like I keep saying it's the same thing they did to Hank Williams Jr. He's country music, is he not? Junior Hank Jr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, where in your opinion? I'm just curious. Where does country music begin and stop? Like, what artist does it stop with? Vern Gosden stopped with him. He may have been a, a little bit past that. Razzie, do you have any? Well, you know, talking about Garth Brooks, I think one of the, and I, I saw him on a TV show this morning, <clears throat> I think one of the things about Garth, I mean, Garth, is uh, his, the songs he recorded were all good lyrics. You know, they, they all like Thunder Rolls and uh, all the great songs that, that he's had hits on really said something. And I, I think that's one of the things that, to me, is missing so much today in country. They just, you know, like, like he's talking about watermelon crawl or uh, something crap like that and I think some of that's okay but I think when you hear it you ought to realize it's a different record I was listening to uh, to the radio on the way over here and uh, they played some really good songs and all of a sudden and this is a good song too they played Little Jimmy Dickens doing uh, some song and I thought well now that is really different you, you know even in that time you, you accepted it as what it was but you knew by the kickoff, the band and playing the twin guitars, that's little Jimmy Dickens. And back then, all the artists had a signature sound on the guitar or some instrument, you know, and that gave it a personality. So it was that's all it. personalities and all was songs that were saying something. And then now I think the writers, and, and that's, that's part of the publishing company's fault in Nashville. They'll sign a young writer. If he's it trickles got a, down. 
if he's got a record deal, he's got a publishing deal automatically, you know, or vice versa. And so by doing that, the, the quality of music goes down because he don't understand what life is all about like those writers did back then. You know, they, they, wrote, sure. they wrote about life. And, uh, my, main, my main beef about the whole thing is that, is that we had some of the most wonderful music in the world, and they've disgraced it with what they've done just to make the damn dollar, 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 dollar. Yeah. We made money back then. It wasn't what we make now, you know, but but uh, it's just they sh they should you know slowly said you know what we need a we need a new market for this right here, the bro country was something that helped me just a little bit because it it distinguished between country music and some bro shit you know that helped me just a little bit but I didn't like the fact that they was out there selling that bullshit that they was putting out and to me it was just bad 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 lyrics. Bad music, guitars up in your face, ain't no more fiddle, no more twin guitars, no more twin fiddles, hardly any steel guitar, any, you know, uh, just uh, change, change uh, the name of it. You know, say, you know, if you really loved old country, we're going to have some old country on the show today. If well, you like what, real country music, that's fine. It's not real country music, talking, and they played it up for that. You're talking about producing. When I had my studio, I produced a lot of young acts and people trying to get started. And, and I had a girl in there one one day, and she was talking about recording, and, and she sang a song that was pretty good. It was just needed to be reworked. And I told her, you know, I said, I said if you want to record it, I'll, I'll help you finish this song. And and she said, well, I tell you right now, what I want is a loud guitar on it. Just She started telling me how to produce it, you know, and, and that's what all she wanted was a screaming guitar. And I said, honey, I don't do that kind of music. You know, you need to go somewhere else. <laughs> right. I'll say this. I've, I've, I mean, I've been in y'all's shoes as well. That's why I know what I'm talking about. If you, like I was, I told my, my little brother just the other day, it's, but this wasn't about country. This was about hip hop. So when I was growing up, we listened to a certain kind of hip hop. It was poetic. It really was. I loved it. Now it's called trap music. It's, it's, it's horrible to me. But that can't. Uh, wait that, a minute! You just said it right there. No, it's horrible to me. That's no, the no, point. no, no. You they changed the damn name of it. No, they didn't. You said it's trap now. No, it's still called. It's still in the hip hop genre, but it's the it's like a subgenre called trap music. But it's all hip hop. So my point is, if they if but you clearly made that trap, I caught that when you said that. It was changed. You it wasn't change. It's still called hip hop. You didn't say hip hop trap. If you I go trap. If I go to iTunes right now and look at and look at any of the trap songs, this is the name that people any gave of the it. Trap songs. No, okay. it's the name that people gave it. And that not, would be a good title for the new country music. Let me finish. <laughs> if you look up hip hop music right now, it says hip hop, and then you can look at all these songs. They sound like trap beats. It's it's, it's a term that they gave to the beat, the way that they make the beat. And the, and the rapping is all different, but it's all called rap. It's all called hip-hop. If they changed, if they did what you say do, they would every single genre would be, would be changed. There wouldn't be no more hip-hop genre. There'd be no more country music except for the old country music, the old hip-hop, the old pop, the old, like every genre would have to change. What's wrong with that? Can you tell I, I just me think what? it's foolish to say. What's why why can't that? it be... Why can't it be? Why can't it be watered down and used again? No, my point is, I'm I'm the same way when it comes to certain music. I say the same thing, but I realize that it's my opinion. That it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter that I don't like that music now. I don't like that genre now. 
But did what, you not just talk to Vanilla Ice later uh, earlier today? And y'all was distinguishing between old turtles and new turtles, and how you like the right. old turtles and the new turtles are after for somebody else. And now you're talking about two different kinds of rap too. But they're both called Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And I like I told him then about my daughters. My daughters wouldn't know anything. He said about his daughters, they wouldn't know anything about the turtles had it not been for these new movies. Even though he and I love the old movies better. That's all I'm saying about country is. Is if they if they just called it something else, then all these people wouldn't discover the gems from your era. Oh yes, they would. They're doing it every day. These old boys driving these pickup trucks in Texas and Oklahoma and stuff. They're going back and they're finding. They're doing it. Yeah, I know they're doing it. Willie Nelson and they're digging all that shit and they want more of it. I'm telling you, that's what that's why though, because country lives in its in its name. They're just now finding it out. And the only way they're going to find it out is to go back and hear the I, real, I'm, real stuff. I'm not able to to articulate it to you what I'm talking about. Apparently, I don't know why. I'm saying if you if of course they're finding it. That's my whole point. They're finding it because country music is still a genre. If you grow up and you hear the word country music all your life and you become a fan of that music, yes, then you it it causes you to go back and search where where did this start it caused you to do that but if you change you take country out call it call it light right whatever any name bama whatever it is yeah. call it bama today and then all these young generation they're growing up they like bama genre that's what they like bama genre well then guess what they're not going to go back and find old country because no, they're typing wrong. in bama they somebody will play them something and then they'll play that for somebody else and the next thing you know they're back there looking and wondering where in the hell can they find it again without all this new new stuff that they're putting on us. All right. Well, I concede. Well, I don't know. You, you can be right. I don't know if there's a real winner. I know that I talk to people that have been in the business for a long time. So do I. And still in high places. And they say that true country music is trying to come back. And so many of the young artists are wanting to do that. And the ones that are scared to death to stand up for themselves are having to do what they tell them to do. Yeah, uh, you, but you, they come in the door wanting to do old. Country I understand music. because yeah. country music lives. Old country music. Because country music. Well, what do you say? Old country. You talking about Marty Robbins? I'm Hank Senior. Yes, I'm talking about. <laughs> from, <laughs> are you talking about your era? That's my point. I I lived that whole era. I was here when you Hank weren't doing Jr. music when Hank Senior was doing music. Yeah, I was alive and I was taking lessons. I understand, but but when you started doing it. It wasn't like Hank Senior anymore. It was everything anymore. I heard on the radio. Hank, everything I started learning about country music was listening to Hank Senior on the radio. Well, Hank Junior, Hank Junior was nothing like Hank Senior. There was their, their music was nothing alike. I lived it. I know that they. Were. I understand. So that's what I'm trying to say. I remember him on the road at 14 years old in his daddy's clothes and his daddy's guitar and his mama singing was like his him. daddy. That's because she wanted the money and she wanted to be a part of it. And then now he did, she called the shots. And he didn't want to do it. And guess what? He went and done his own thing and changed the game. There's always been those artists that changed the game. Yeah, Hank Junior was one of them to, to figure it out. Hank Junior, Garth Brooks. You can keep going forever and ever. Then you can go all the way to people like Florida Georgia Line, which you probably hate, and so do you, because they they did the. The whole they started the whole backbeat thing with the with the backing who, who's, track. Who's Razzie? Who was that that group that come out that had all that great harmony here about four or five years ago? Uh, when you said Florida Georgia Line, it was before them. Something about Louisiana or something. What was their? 
I know they had a real big record about yeah. Louisiana. Yeah, I can't think of it. Mm. A little big town? Yeah, I think it was. Yeah. Now there was some good music. They, okay. They got some. It was good. a little more modern, but it was really good. Music. Was it country? It was country enough that I could enjoy it. Yeah. They're still out. Yeah. Well, I I don't know how their later stuff is doing. They're still out doing music. I mean, they got songs that you know that sound exactly like what you're what you hate though is what i'm saying so yeah you they got so that's the way that's the way it goes the guy it started just, with some good stuff though the guy I just showed you earlier john pardee he comes out with these songs that are an ode to the to the uh older way of music of country music but guess what he also has the songs that that sell the songs that sell the records the songs that get the streams the snap track all throughout the, the the whole thing, they all do it. Luke Combs did the same thing. I know they do. The reason they do it is because they want they need to make money. Uh, and if the young generation is 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 the ones that are buying it and they ain't buying the old oh, way, I'm saying why they're doing it. I know that they need to do it to make the money. I'm just saying, just don't let the son of a bitches call it by God good country music. Call it bro country. Nobody call it asshole country. Nobody's mm -hmm. calling it good country. They just call it country. That's can I wrong. can I insert something? Yeah. Sure. Um, talking about the old country coming back, you know, Dolly Parton's got a new album and a new single, and it's just great. I heard it uh, yesterday, and she's going to be on the Grammys and all that. So it's good to see one of the older artists making a comeback. Tanya Tucker's coming back. She's I, well, I met Tanya Tucker, not Dolly Parton. Tanya Tucker. Yeah. Oh well, Dolly Parton came out with a new. She's coming out with new music, but she's collaborating with new artists on that music, which. Keeps it, makes sure. Now Dolly Parton's massive; she's a huge thing, but she's she's even smart enough to go. Okay, I'm going to collaborate with these people that are huge, that the young people know, and then that'll get me in their their ears. Dolly Parton, who you mentioned, which you you were clearly talking about Tanya Tucker, but I'm not. I like Tanya Tucker. She was my one of my favorite female singers, female uh, country singers back then when I was growing up. But do I think that she'll? Have a number one hit again? I don't. That's just me being candid. I don't think that she'll have a number one hit. But I think she'll have one that'll make a difference. You know, it may not be. I know she's getting hot as a two-pecked <clears throat> billy goat right yeah. now. Hey, I hope she does. I don't wish anybody ill will. I, I I hope that she gets a number one and gets everything she ever wanted out of life. I'm not knocking anybody. I'm just saying when when I hear people talk when when I hear what Marty Robbins said to you, it makes me think of what. What, how the people like you and like my father and like my grandfather would say about the music I was listening to growing up. It was the same thing. And then what people would say about my own music. Like that's what pe that's what I, I took my music. I was, I, I set out originally when I started, I set out to just do country music. I took it to country radio stations. They said, this is too bluesy. I took it to blues radio stations. They said, this is too country. No place for me. So I said, well, forget all of you. And I'll just do whatever I want to do and see what happens. And it paid off. And 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 it, like a lot of older country people didn't like what I was doing. And did that bother me? I don't care. You know what I mean? I'm trying to make music for the people that want to hear my music. And that's that's all I'm saying. That's what that's all these other people are doing. If they grow up hearing that type of music, that's the kind of music they're gonna do. Well, you know, if whoever listens to this podcast, uh We'll probably say we got sour grapes. You know, that's the favorite favorite thing that they hear an old artist that wants 
to, to hold on to their kind of music. It's always, oh, they just got sour grapes, you know. Well, I'm not a young man either. Yeah, I'm, well, I don't have sour grapes, and I don't think he does either. We're mm-hmm. just talking about what what's happened, you know. I think we created something that was wonderful, that they've got it in the, it fell into the wrong hands with the wrong people in in, in a powerful position that has run it and still had, uh, you know, the gall to, cut, to call it country music. And I wouldn't dare say that what y'all created wasn't wonderful. No way would I say that. And it should be left alone unless you... Nobody's messing with what y'all created, though. Just Well, they are when they start talking about it, though. When they start calling it country music, that's, it's not. That's just the, that's the part that I can't agree with anyway. We're, we're going to end it now, and we always end it with an unbelievable fact okay. on a light note. The unbelievable fact for this episode is in South Korea, there is an emergency number called one that you dial 113. And you call that when you want to report some spy activity. Can you believe that? Yeah. Spy activity. Yeah. I don't doubt it. Razzie, thank you so much for coming. For I've coming. enjoyed it. It's sure. been fun talking to you and having a conversation. And it's been fun talking to you as well, Jim, even though we don't agree. But... Well, we do agree on the wonderfulness of the of the music, but not on the genre, and that's okay. Absolutely. It's okay that's not life. to agree. That's just life. It is. That's the problem with with politics today. Nobody can have a conversation, and I can. I'm okay with having conversations. Thank y'all for tuning in. I love y'all. Ah, thank y'all so much for listening to the Marty Ray Project chats, and a big thank you to Rode for supplying the sound with Rodecaster Pro. Whether you like what you heard or hated what you heard, subscribe and rate us anyway. Let us have it. Thanks so much to Razzie Bailey for being our guest today. Listen to his music everywhere you listen to or download or stream music, whatever. Follow him on all socials, too. Love you.